This is Brian Stark Live. And now, your host, Brian Stark. Welcome, folks, to Brian Stark Live. I am Brian Stark, and you've tuned into the program where every Thursday night at 7, you meet knowledgeable people who teach you the art of success in real estate, finance, business, and life. Whether you're a real estate investor, a landlord, a property manager, a lender, a broker, a seller, a business owner, or want to be one, or just an interested, valued listener, this program has been specially designed, yes, custom engineered for your infotainment pleasure. If you're listening on a Thursday night, we're coming to you live and our phone lines are open, so do pick up the phone and call us at 216-578-1490 with your questions, your thoughts, comments. We'd love to hear from you. If you're listening any other time, you're listening to our archived shows at SoundCloud.com or iTunes, and we very much appreciate that. I want to welcome our Facebook friends and family to the air. If you uh, would like to listen on Facebook, you can also see us live, and our guest is live with us as well. Folks, Brian Stark Live is sponsored by NuVita Funding. We're real estate financiers, arranging financing for your investment real estate deals nationwide. We have great loan products for your fix and flips. 30-year fixed-rate loans for your one-to-four-unit rental houses and the best deals around for short-term loans on multifamily and mixed-use buildings all nationwide. We finance all types of commercial real estate. If it can be financed, we will finance it. Give me a call today at 917-791-4190 or email brian at starkworld.com. Stay tuned. We have a very special show. And remember that our phone lines are open at 216-578-1490 if you're listening on a Thursday night. We'd love to hear those questions, comments, and thoughts right here on Brian Stark Live. Folks, have you ever thought about getting into the multifamily business, the apartment business, the business of owning buildings in places where you are not, with people who are not you, who pay money when you're sleeping? Well, Tim Bratz has done that about 4,000 times, and he didn't even get to be 35 when he got it done. He began his real estate career in 2007, brokering commercial leases in the super hot New York City market. He spent time reading, attending workshops, networking. Uh, His resourcefulness helped him acquire his first investment property in Charleston, South Carolina in 2009, using his credit card to buy a duplex. I guess it was a platinum Amex. Anyway, he transferred that rundown duplex to uh, all by himself, turned a profit on his first deal, which he's supposed to do. He he reinvested that money and uh, began to look for private capital to expand. Today, he follows a simple formula, only invest for cash flow, only buy at wholesale prices. He's a value shopper. Create appreciation through value-add improvements and sweat equity. That means hard work. His companies own over 4,000 rental units in 10 states. He's, he's a husband. He's a proud father. He's a great guy. He's a graduate of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. And right now, he's a guest right here on our show, Tim Bratz. So glad to have you with us. I'm excited to be here, Brian. Thanks for having me, man. What a, what a pleasure. I see that you dressed up for the occasion. I hope that we do a good enough show that you'll ship me one of those exclusive T-shirts when we're done. This is, this is me dressed up, by the way. So, <laughs> yes. I... <laughs> so have you ever walked into a bank or a, you know, a meeting with a family office or some multimillionaire thing with your T-shirt and have the guys kind of look at you like, oh, boy, another one of these kids? <laughs> yeah, I am. Um... Funny, funny you mentioned family offices and all that stuff. I've actually never done a deal with a family office. I own $400 million of property. I've never used institutional equity before. I just, you know, I hang out with really sharp business owners. Most of them are self-made and actually dress worse than I do. And, uh, <laughs> there you go. And, uh, you know, they have big businesses or they, they launch a business, launch a product, 
sold their business, made some money, um, all the way all the way to the you know person with a couple hundred thousand dollars in a self-directed retirement account. Uh, that's where I raise all my all my equity. It's just through individuals. I just like working with them better. Um, I've I've talked to a lot of family offices and institutional equity groups that just never really resonated with me. I think in order for me to get to the next level, I'll probably have to talk with some of them, but mm-hmm. um, I haven't had to yet. So cool. Let's talk about the very first deal, Tim. So you're in New York City, the Big Apple. You know, you're wearing the fancy French cuff shirts and the hundred dollar ties and the polished shoes and you know, leasing uh, Victoria's Secret stores or whatever the heck you were doing in here, making ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollar commissions. You know, buying <laughs> Bentleys and flying on private jets, right? Yeah, uh, far from it. Yeah, the exact opposite of that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so you're working uh, in New York City, leasing commercial space. And uh, you got the idea to go back home and uh, actually you didn't go back home, but you got the idea to start buying some rental property. So you bought a two family with your credit card. Help us mm-hmm. understand how that happens. First of all, not too many two families are, you know, five or 10 or $20,000 and not too many people can buy anything for $20,000 with a credit card. So there must be a little bit of magic here. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I get in real estate for the same reason everybody else did was you know, I think we all want that residual income and the passive income. We hear about the allure of that mailbox money. Yep. And that's really what drove me to get into real estate. So, you know, I thought everybody becomes a realtor first and then they eventually have to, you know, scale into becoming an investor. And, yeah, I mean, one of those deals that I brokered was, you know, it's some side of the, uh, like some side street, Flint Village, 400 square feet, but they lease it for $10,000 a month. That was the first leasing deal that I ever did yeah. on a 12 year lease term with, Four percent escalation, and you know you start doing the money, doing the, the numbers on that. You realize how much money the, the landlord's going to make, and I'm like, man, I need to be owning real estate. So that's when I moved down to Charleston. That was in 2008, mm-hmm. and I'm getting ready, and I'm getting all pumped up, taking all the courses, I'm reading all the books, and um, right when I'm about to jump in, the entire market collapses. Right, people are walking out of Lehman Brothers with boxes. And, oh yeah, uh, 2008. The yeah, the October, November 2008. So. Uh, it's just uh, everything's in a tailspin. I show up to the party. And I'm like, hey, I just got in. Everybody's running out the back door. <laughs> Great timing. You know? And so um, it, what, what was exciting about it, though, is like all these bank-owned properties started hitting the market. And it was like nonstop, bank-owned, bank-owned, bank-owned. And uh, prices had dropped significantly. So, you know, I'm, I'm all excited. I want to go out and buy a real estate, uh, piece of real estate. And I'm looking all over the MLS. I'm like, eh, nobody's lending a punk. Kid, 23 years old money. I've never done a deal and it's the worst housing market ever, right? So um, I can't get any private money. I can't get any capital. I don't know who you know, would give me money, but I had a MasterCard and my MasterCard gave me $3,000 and that was the limit. And so I, I heard that you can call up your credit card company and ask them to increase your limit. So I called them up and I said, hey, I need you. I'm about to make a big purchase. I need you to increase my credit limit. Uh, can you increase it to $100,000? Wow. And uh, yeah, and they That's said, absolutely not. <laughs> they, said, right. they said, hey, Tim, you've been a great customer for about 15 months since you graduated college, but uh, we're not going to give you $100,000. But they gave me 15 grand. Wow. Um, That's a pretty big yeah. jump from three in the, yeah, in the uh, 2008 crash. Right. So it jumped up uh, a little bit, and that was exciting, but was I still had a problem that the cheapest house in the entire MLS was $25,000. Right. By the way, uh, by the way, by the way. What you described just a moment ago is what, what, what Warren Buffett would describe as the perfect time to buy. Warren Buffett mm-hmm. says buy when there's blood running in the streets. And in modern history, I don't know a time other than 2008 when there was more blood running in the streets. 
there were tons of assets available. Nobody was lending, which means that people were going to have to work very hard to find somebody who could somehow buy those assets. And that also means that those assets were devalued very quickly. Great time mm -hmm. to buy. We know that sooner or later those assets are going to stabilize and value will come back. And obviously history has proven that that has happened, at least to a large degree. So great time to buy. You actually pick the best time to buy, even though in the middle of it, it doesn't feel like it. Right, right. And it, everything was difficult. You know, it was sure. very difficult to get money. Um, it was easy to find deals. And I think it's, you know, market cycles, that kind of ebbs and flows. The deal flow is easy. Uh, the money's hard to come by. When the, when the money's hard to, when the money's easy, then the deals are hard to come by like right. it is right now. If it was easy, um, everybody would be doing it. Yeah, and they, and they kind of uh, counteract each other. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I find the cheapest house in the MLS, 25 grand. And uh, I'm, I'm a 23-year-old kid. Uh, I, I've been insulted many times. And so uh, I go in, I was like, oh, I'm just going to make an embarrassingly low offer. And I went in at $12,000 on this thing. I was like, what, what's the worst they can say? Like, they can cuss at me and, and tell me to leave and pound salt. And I'd say, all right, hey, I'll go find another one. Um, so, but they came back and they counted at 20. I went up to 14, which is really the most I could ever pay. Right. And uh, they accepted it. And so I went in there and I had a few thousand dollars saved up from broker and deals up in New York. Uh, not much, five grand, six grand, something like that. Wow. And I ended up using that money to live off of for the next few months and put that money into the house. So, you know, I'm, I'm finding remnant carpet. I'm finding used light fixtures and appliances from uh, the Habitat Restore and stuff like that in order to just move it over there and literally pay my buddies to keep it here in order to help me paint and landscape and just clean up uh, this house. And it was it was a dump, and it was still a dump when I was done with it. It just looked okay. nicer. And so I, uh, I knocked on some doors, handed out some flyers, got one of the neighbors to come in and uh, make me an offer for $33,000, closing 30 days. And I was off to the races. That was the first deal. I'm like, I just made money in the worst housing recession ever. Like, and this is the biggest check I ever made to date. Uh, like, let me go do it again. So, you know, you do it again, do it again. And eventually you get known as somebody who can find good deals. And right. you start talking to people about real estate. And all of a sudden you meet people who maybe have money, but they don't have the time. They have money, but they don't have the bandwidth. They have money, but they don't have the knowledge. And you can have a conversation with them and say, hey, why don't you put up the money? I'll do the work and we'll figure out a way to uh, split up the equity or split up the profit. And that's how I came across my first, my first private money lender. And I built a small portfolio, about 10 units, uh, including my own primary home in Charleston and uh, over the next like two years. And so by the time I'm 25, I'm not rich, but I was financially free. My monthly residual income exceeded what my monthly expenses were. That's great. And, that's um, amazing. Yeah, hey, I thought I had to figure it out. You know, I'm 25. I got, you know, hey, hey, brushing my shoulders off. I'm going to see me. I joined a private club, taking all these elaborate trips, and um, find myself a couple years and chasing shiny objects and other businesses. Find myself a couple years later just completely destitute, right? I had 80 bucks in my bank account in 2012 and um, $25,000 in credit card debt because I bought things that were not assets. I bought liabilities with my credit cards mm -hmm. instead, of, instead of assets. Um, and I had sold off my property because I chased some other shiny objects. And uh, found myself in a spot where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but real estate, I had it figured out before. So let me go back to doing real estate. Um, and what saved me from that was I sold, the only house I still had was my primary home here in Charleston. And so I sold that um, and I made $50,000. I thought I robbed the lady who was buying it from me. I thought I was like, yeah. she's never money back out of this thing. And today um, she's got about $250,000 in equity on top of what she's bought it for. 
Yeah. Yeah. So uh, she's doing all right. But I moved back to Cleveland, Ohio, and um, actually where where we first kind of got connected, just, right. um, through some mutual friends and contacts. And you know, I, I threw my business dealings down in Charleston, met some people who had money, and they said, "Hey Tim, how about we put up some cash? You go out and do the work, and uh, we'll split it up." So they only put up a few hundred thousand dollars, and I gave sixty-seven percent. Wow. Of all the deals that we did. You gave a lot. Uh, yeah, and we just kept on rolling the money forward. And um, that partnership, although it was good, kind of uh, got me up off the ground and I learned a lot. It just didn't, my value continued to increase, their value, they weren't willing to bring any more money. And um, so their value decreased and eventually we had to separate. But I took uh, about a million bucks, well, maybe a little bit over a million dollars they initially invested, turned it into um, about $5 million over the course of about three years. Um, Pretty amazing. Yeah, and, and I mean, those properties today, right, this is 2015 values. Uh, those properties today are probably about 15 to $20 million, but it is what it is. Uh, we liquidated everything when that partnership ended up folding and went on to um, doing my, my own thing. And so, uh, you know, I thought I had to put food on the table, so I got back in the transactional game of, of flipping houses and wholesaling houses, and, uh, built up a big management company in Cleveland, did a lot of turnkey single-family rentals. And again, passively started building up my, uh, my apartment. I'd, I'd raise money for a deal. I'd sponsor a loan on a deal. I would help just kind of handle some, some of the administrative side. And over the course of the next couple of years, by end of 2017, I had about 400 units built up uh, that I was, you know, mostly a minority partner. And I owned a few buildings in Cleveland that were smaller. But I, I, I sit back on vacation and realized 90% of my wealth came from my apartment. And it was only 10% of my time. All my time was spent flipping houses. But that just put food on the table. Right. It didn't really build on itself. Right. Right. And so I thought, what if I dedicated all my resources, just my team, right? I had a small team, like three or four guys. Um, and I took my acquisitions guy. We started only looking at apartments. My property, my project manager only renovated apartments. My property manager, um, or, you know, still managed apartments instead of houses. And then my, um, my disposition guy, instead of selling houses, I told him, hey, you're going to asset manage our portfolio. Right. And we pivoted, and it was remarkable. The universe responds, you know, and, and um, all of a sudden I took down another couple hundred deals in, in a span of about six months, and then was at about 600 units. And in summer of 2018, I took down a 730 unit portfolio, which really put me on the map. And that's wow. what really gave me a lot of momentum Very big. and gave me the balance sheet to go and start buying bigger deals. So um, 2018, I was at, I don't know, 16, 1700 units. Uh, in 2019, I bought another 2,000 doors. Wow. Uh, 2020, despite COVID, I bought another 1,000 doors. And then this year, I picked up um, um, another 600, five, almost 600 doors so far. So when you, by the way, I want to remind our listeners that our phone lines are open at 216-578-1490. Pick up the phone and give us a call. Tim is not an easy guy to get on the phone unless you have a lot of money that you want to invest or some buildings that you want to sell very, very, very aggressively. Um, that means cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a couple of things. First of all, uh, about 30, 40 minutes before the show, uh, you and I had planned a little call to kind of go over things. And uh, I heard some wind in the background and noise and little kids, you know, yelling and screaming. And you said, hey, I'm out taking a, I'm out taking a walk with my kids on the beach. And it really struck me, Tim. I really thought, wow, this is a guy who's about to be on a radio show. People are going to hear him all over the country. And what's he doing? He's not meditating. He's not at home studying. He's not reading. He's on the beach with his children. So I really realized your business is not 
for buying Bentleys or private jets or fancy mansions. Your business is for what, Tim? Why are you buying all these buildings? What's the purpose of acquiring 2,000 units and acquiring 700 units and acquiring this and buying that? You're doing it for what? I want you. I want our audience to really get this. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a, there's a few reasons. I think when you first get involved in business and real estate, uh, you know, candidly, it was the money that drove. I wanted those fancy things. When I was a 20-year-old kid, that's what I thought making money was all about. Um, and I'm, I'm a student not only of real estate and wealth building, but really happiness, philosophy, and everything else. And I remember, you know, reading about uh, or watching a, a documentary on happiness. And they said, hey, it doesn't matter if you make $50,000 a year or $50 million a year. Once your basic needs are met, which in most communities around the world, around the country, is around $50,000 a year in household income. You got food on the table and clothes on your back and a roof over your head. You live in a safe area. Once those basic needs are met, it doesn't matter if you make 50000 or $50 million. There's no difference mm-hmm. in your happiness level. Your happiness is definitely affected if you, if you make less than that and you're, not, you're, you're worried about where your next meal is coming from. But above that, now it's all about fulfillment, right? And so I remember that really resonated with me. And I was like, well, I want to I try out making $50 million anyway. Like, just to, just to figure it out myself. Hurt. Couldn't hurt. <laughs> right? And so, um, uh, it, 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 but it's it, and, um, you know, my happiness level hasn't really increased. I'm, I was happy, you know, running in the metro parks in Cleveland, Ohio with my dog when I didn't have the network that I have today. Um, I was happy hanging out with my kids. And um, there's definitely different levels of happiness. But there's also different levels of stress and different uh, things that come with it. And um, I think money really gives you options. And money really buys you time. And uh, that's one of the things, my favorite thing about having access to money now. and um, you know, now I get to live on the beach, right? Like I don't wear fancy clothes. I don't, I have nice watches, but I will not spend more than $3,000 on a watch. Um, you know, I, I drive a Jeep Wrangler. You know, it's like, that's, that's my lifestyle because I'm a, I don't know, because I'm a crappy driver or I don't know, whatever, yeah. whatever it is. Because you like I a Jeep Wrangler. Yeah, I don't get a rise out of the luxury car stuff. I like spending money on experiences and memories. Um, I like being able to, take my family to exotic vacations. I like being able to give back. Like as corny and cheesy as that might sound, Not at all. Uh, my mom is big into the, she was a, a huge influence on my life from like a philanthropic standpoint. And uh, she was a full-time volunteer in the school system, uh, very big in, in Cleveland from, from the school system perspective. And that always resonated with me. And all of a sudden I like giving back. I like helping people out. I like uh, making donations. I like, um, not just writing a check, but I like knowing the people that I'm, that I'm helping out sure. too, you know? Um, uh, so, so, you know, I, I mean, why do I continue to build? I think it's just, I, I like pushing the limits. I like personal development a lot. I don't think, um, I don't think I'll ever stop growing. I'm a big believer that if you're not growing, you're dying. And so I always want to be growing. I always want to be pushing the limits. I don't want to be sitting on my deathbed thinking, I wonder what else I could have accomplished, but sure. I laid off the gas or I didn't try hard enough. And I, I don't want, I don't want that, that um, regret, I guess. So, I mean, I think that's one thing. And then another thing is, is obviously giving my, my kids and family the lifestyle that um, uh, I want them to have. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, it's not about giving them money. It's not about giving them the state. It's not about giving them property. It's about giving them the mindset that anything's possible. Um, you know, when, I'm, when I know I'll made it, uh, when, my, when my kids come to me, that 20 years old and uh, they just graduated and they say, Hey, 
Um, I say, hey, do you want money for, to go start a business? Do you want money to go to college? Do you want money for buying a house? And they're going to say to me, Dad, I don't need your money. You know why? Because you taught me how to make it myself. Wow. That's, like that, that's going to really resonate with me. You know, if I can, if I can do that, if I can help other people, not just my kids, but that's why I do the education side and I still consult and, and coach and I'm involved in a lot of that stuff. So, um, you know, it means a lot. So you're teaching your children how to fish instead of just giving them the fish. That's it. Very, that's very it. nice. All right, Tim, we're going to take a quick break. I want to remind our listeners to pick up the phone and give us a call at 216-578-1490. Your one chance to talk with Tim Bratz and understand how he built a portfolio of $350 million in value, over 4,000 apartment units by the time he was 35 years old. How old are you now, Tim? I'm 30, I'm oh, 35. You're, I'm you're 35 now. Okay, great. So right up to this point, and I know you're over 4,000 units now. When we come back, I'm going to ask you a very special question that I didn't prep you for, but I'm going to, actually, I'm going to tell you the question now, and we'll answer it when we come back. The question is, think back to your very first deal, the, the first house that you bought, just like when I think back to math class or you know, uh, elementary school English or something that I learned when I was very young, when I was just getting started. Every day, I use some of those tools in my daily life. Even 40, 50 years later, I use those tools. So think, I want you to think back to your very first deal and tell me when you get on a plane and fly down to look at one of your properties with you know, 200 units, 300 units, meet some money partners, meet some managers and walk around, what is informing you? What are you remembering from that very first deal that to this day still guides you, still teaches you, still helps you do a great job in your business? I'd like you to share three insights that's, that you got from the beginning that will never go away. All right? Super. Got it. All right, folks, pick up the phone, 578-1490, area code 216. Join us on Facebook Live, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes on the other side of the break with Tim Bratz. I'm Brian Stark. This is Brian Stark Live, and you are listening to News Talk. 1490 AM WERE. For more information and the latest updates on the coronavirus, text the word virus to 60796 any time of day. Text messages and data rates may apply. Millions retire online so they can do what they want offline. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. This is Vince Robinson inviting you to join me and Hamtonio on 360 Info Network Saturday mornings at 11 for vital information, food for thought, and insight you won't find anywhere else on your radio dial. From scholars like Professor James Small and Dr. Renoko Rashidi to Dr. Qua David Whitaker and author Wayne B. Chandler, tune in to AM 1490 WERE and remember, know yourself, love yourself, be yourself, and make it a great day, Cleveland. Peace. In this one small world we share together, there are lots of good things we can still share. We can share hope. We can share laughter. We can share encouragement. We can share inspiration. We can share unity. We can share healing. We can share joy. We can share love. We can share truth. So during these times, we can't forget. We can beat this together. Because together, we are one. 
If you're having a crisis or dealing with a dangerous situation, there is someone who can help. Did you know that RTA buses and trains are safe places? Look for the yellow diamond-shaped safe place signs on all vehicles in at various RTA locations. If you are in crisis, get to a safe place vehicle or location and let the bus or train operator know, and he or she will contact the transit police whom will immediately get to your location and assist. There is no fee for safe place assistance. Log on to riderta.com backslash safe place for more information. This is a WERE public service announcement. If you've fallen behind on your mortgage, it's time to take control. You don't have to lose your home. The National Foundation for Credit Counseling can help. Call us at 866-687-6322 or visit mortgagehelpnow.org. Real solutions for real people. NFCC member agencies are approved by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. You're listening to Brian Stark Live on Cleveland's News Talk 1490 WERE. And now, back to your host, Brian Stark. Ohio, it's the only apartment building ever. Folks, to Brian Stark Live, I'm Brian Stark talking today with Tim Bratz from Legacy Wealth Holdings. Only 4,000 apartment units by the age of 35, almost $400 million in real estate by the age of 35. Amazing story here and a great guy who's really helping us understand that the whole reason to buy all this stuff is not for stuff, but it's for the lifestyle that you want to have, whatever that may be. Tim, is it cool to buy stuff and get rich so that you can have a lot of cool, fancy, bright, shiny objects and fancy toys? Is that all right, too? Absolutely. One of my good friends has a Rolls Royce, and he's got a G-Wagon, and he's got... um, uh, I, I mean, some of the nicest cars you've ever seen. You've got beautiful, stunningly gorgeous houses. Um, and, he, and he wears fancy clothes. And he's got $100,000 watches and everything. To him, he's like you and me, though, Brian. He could sit here and have just a regular conversation. He's a regular guy from a, actually a, a suburban rural town in Ohio. And uh, to him, he looks at those objects. He looks at his $100,000 watch. You know what he says? Not how cool he is because he's got a $100,000 watch. He thinks, you know what I had to go through from an adversity perspective in order to achieve this $100,000 watch? You know what I had to overcome, the obstacles, the personal growth I had to go through in order to then be able to afford a watch like this and a home like this and a car like this? So, like, he looks at it from, and it, and it reminds him of all the adversity he had to go through in order Simple. to then achieve that. And, a reminder. and it drives him more. Yep. It's not, he, he does it for himself. He doesn't do it for other people. Right? Like he does it for himself, and I think that's a big differentiator between what we see on social media sometimes versus um, people who do that you know, maybe for what I think is the right reason. Right, right. So before the break, um, by the way, I want to remind our listeners, pick up the phone, give us a call at 216-578-1490. You can ask Tim any question that you like, by the way. Um, before the break, I asked you to think back to your very first deal. Think of the lessons that you learned and think of how those lessons inform you in your deals today. Today, you probably wouldn't buy a two-family house. Even if you could get it for free, you probably wouldn't take one. Um, but you would buy a, a 100 or a 200 or a 500-suite apartment complex. Um, I don't even know if you're looking at uh, mixed-use buildings or office buildings or shopping centers or other kinds of commercial property. But we've talked about multifamily, and that's clearly your business. What did you learn there that informs you every day as you walk through larger deals and you look at your holdings and you look at potential properties? What did you learn that we can all learn from. Three, three lessons, please. Yeah, man. I, I think it's a great question, Brian. I think um, there's a few things I learned from my, my first deal that resonate and they transcend 
industry, asset class, uh, big deals, small deals, it doesn't matter. Um, these three things are the three biggest ways that I mitigate risk and the three biggest ways that I just align my business by. Number one is I buy at a discount. I buy at a wholesale price. I do not pay retail for my watches. I do not pay retail for my cars. I do not pay retail for my clothes or anything. And I especially don't pay retail for my apartment building. Me either. <laughs> Love that. So, yeah, I, I, I just, I'm a big believer in getting a deal. And so, um, you know, that's the only variable in the real estate equation that you can actually control is the purchase price of a deal. So you've got to be able to buy it at a discount. If you buy it at a deep enough discount, it allows you to be alone a basis in the property, but then have a lot of exit strategies and a lot of different options on how to exit that property. So number one, That's always great. buy at a wholesale price. Right. Number two is create appreciation. Don't speculate on it. You can hope for it, but I wouldn't bank on it. You know, and I see some of these guys saying, hey, my property's going to appreciate by 5% every year for the next five years, and interest rates are going to stay flat, and this and that, and all those other things. And I'm like, you're speculating, right? Like you can't pay a retail price and hope tomorrow is worth more because if it's not, you're going to be in a tight spot. And so I don't speculate. I create appreciation through sweat equity by putting work into the property, improving, increasing the rent, increasing the income, decreasing the expenses. And then that increases the NOI, which as we all know is, is how properties are valued as a multiple of the NOI. So that's net operating income. And so I, I am a big believer in creating appreciation and not speculating on appreciation. So that's number two. The third one that I would say is I buy for cash flow. Every time I've done like a speculative land flip or something along those lines that cannot be rented out and cash flow, I end up losing time and I end up losing money and I lose error. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? It looks so like you've I, done that a couple times. <laughs> yeah, I get super stressed about it. I buy for cash flow. Meaning, I don't care what happens in the market. If the property will cash flow, that's a great lowest common denominator of whether or not a deal will work. Yeah. If it'll cash flow, you can sell it. If it'll cash flow, you can refinance it. If it'll cash flow, you can ride out any sort of economic cycle that you get caught in the middle of and come back out clean on the back end because the cash flow covers all the operating expenses, all the debt service, and puts money in your pocket. So even if values go to zero, it's still worth something. And, uh, and, and so that's why I only buy for cash flow now. Um, and those, those are the top three things that I really learned in the first, in the first deal. Great insights. In a business where hundreds, if not thousands of companies with lots of money and lots of backing are like tigers looking for every deal they can possibly find, how in the world do you find any deals? How can you buy, uh, you know, 60000 dollar per door multifamily building that needs five or ten thousand dollars per door of rehab for 38 grand or 26 mm -hmm. grand or how can you find one because it would seem to me every commercial broker is hunting for every one of those everybody's got the internet to buy lists and send mailers and send flyers and make phone calls these are big deals we're talking about you know buildings that are worth tens of millions of dollars if not more and so a, a commercial broker's commission on these things is substantial. They spend a lot of money to hunt down those owners that might be motivated sellers. Owners that have thousands of units spend a lot of money to hunt down those owners, those inheritors, those you know uh, banks that might have taken a building back. It's got to be incredibly tough to find a deal. How in the world do you slip in and get one? Yeah, I, I use the exact same strategies I used when I was 
in the single family game. And I find off market direct to seller deals. Now I have a reputation now of buying and especially buying distressed properties. So I do get broker deals today. That's not how I got deals early on. I would, I do direct mail. I do outbound phone calls. Instead of calling a for sale by owner house, I'd call a for rent by owner apartment building and say, Hey, I'm not interested in renting your apartment. I want to buy the whole building. Do you have any interest in selling? Um, I'm very active, as you know, on social media, right. very active uh, with, with my Rolodex of, of my email list of everybody I've met in real estate in Cleveland, Ohio over the past eight, or, yeah, eight 12 years that I've been investing there. Um, and so I'm, I'm always talking about apartments. I'm on your show, right? I'm on podcasts. I'm posting on Facebook and Instagram about apartments, about wealth building, about deals that I'm doing. And whenever I post, People then reach out to me. They say, hey, man, I heard this about this deal. Yep. Can I sell you the deal? Can I buy a deal from you? Can we joint venture? And, and that's, that's how I've built my business is I get a lot of referrals. I've got a lot of bird dogs out there looking for deals. They don't know what to do with them or they're too big and they can't take it down. And I'm known as the guy who buys apartment deals. It, it wasn't always like that. It took time to build that up. Sure. Uh, but everybody can do it right now with social media at no cost. They just need to be talking and giving value as much as they possibly can. And all of a sudden, you're the first one that comes top of mind whenever they do come across the deal and they bring it to Brian first, right? So thank you. That's a, that's a great, great, great answer. How big is the biggest multifamily owner in the country? Is it 40,000 units, 60,000 units? Or the, is the biggest owner at 100,000 units yet? I don't even know. Yep, yep. It's actually Graystar. He's headquartered out of Charleston, South Carolina. They own 500,000 units in the United States. Oh my, way bigger than I realized. So are you ever going to be the biggest? Um, uh, <laughs> good question. Um, I don't really have ambition to be the biggest. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, who knows? Maybe. I, I'm not sure. I, I used to set big goals, you know, and set goals that were 15, 20 years out. And things change so much over just a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. In three to five years, I don't set goals out longer than five years anymore. Because opportunities and the desires and what's important to me has changed so much in just the past five years. I had a daughter and then I had a son. And then I realized that, you know, more money doesn't necessarily make me happy, but more achievement does make me happy. I like pushing boundaries. I like pushing limits. I like setting the bar of what's possible. So that way other people can say, damn, if this guy could do it, I could do it too. Right. And so that, that really resonates with me. Um, I wanted to make an impact um, from a standpoint of, of, uh, you know, being the biggest though, I don't really care. I want to make the biggest impact. I, I, I really care about impact. I really care about um, inspiring other people and, and uh, you know, creating that ripple effect. And I used to want to help a thousand people become millionaires. Now I want to help a thousand people become leaders that can each help another thousand people to become millionaires. Right. And I think that's really where true legacy comes in. That's a big, you know, a big desire of mine. That's a huge that's a huge goal, and we're going to talk about that in the last segment of our show. What's the best deal you've ever done? And before you answer that, just know that the next question is, what's the worst deal you've ever done? <laughs> um, yeah, one of the, one of the, uh, when I broke up with that business partnership, the first deal that I actually ended up doing in 2015 was down in Georgia with, uh, with a buddy of mine. And he said, hey, man, he needed to raise money. He couldn't raise capital. I had access to resources, so I raised the money and help sponsor the loan. Um, and for that, I got 26% of this townhouse development down in Georgia. Now the, the townhouse development, all the infrastructure was in, the roads were in, sewers were in, 
electric was all in. All you had to do is go vertical on this thing. Um, it had been taken back during the downturn. Uh, a developer gave it back to the bank. It was a little locally owned bank. They had two branches, $80 million in assets. Wow. And they had, yeah, they had $2 million of land. The bank, the bank had less assets than you have now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, so uh, uh, that's funny. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. Uh, but but they had to get this not performing uh, debt off their book. And so they were so motivated to get rid of it, we were able to negotiate for them to finance the land and give us a construction loan at a 1% interest-only interest rate. Wow. We had to bring 300 grand down. That's it. In order to build out this, I don't know, I think we're into it for $7 million or something. Um, uh, and we built 84 townhouses. And uh, But they'd only give us $3 million bucks because they were you know, it was too much to have with one borrower for yes. this bank. So we had to build out half of it. We refinanced it then. And then they lended us uh, more money to finish the second half. And then they turned out the last $3 million-ish of, uh, of the deal at 1% interest, or 1% amortized over 30 years. And, uh, and that was wow. a pretty good deal. We actually um, we were into it for, I, I want to say, $6.5 million maybe. And we sold it. Um, I, I, Kind of, I bought out my partner for a ten million dollar valuation. We're gonna bump up rents over the course of the next couple of years. It'll be worth about thirteen million bucks. So I made some money on the back end. Uh, I made some money on the, uh, you know, on, on, the, on the front end, and I'll make money again on the back end. And um, it's kind of a, yeah, kind of a unique but a fun deal. And you put in almost nothing, and you also have a bank you could probably call on the phone and borrow a couple million from anytime. Right. Later. Very nice. Right. Now. Let's go to the worst deal you've ever done. What's the worst deal, Tim, that you've ever done? So I've done a lot of bad single-family deals, uh, fix and flips and stuff like that. I was never really the guy who did that. And what, what, makes, what makes those bad, by the way? Just one or two universal things that makes a deal a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think a lot of it goes down to the strategies I told you before. I would still buy it at a wholesale price, and I create appreciation, but there's also a speculative side of flipping houses. Yes. What is this house going to be worth in the next six months? Right. I don't know. You know, you're, you're kind of capped at that. And then the, the, the thing that was the most painful for me is that it's a vacant, non-cash flowing property. Right. So if the property's not, it's not selling, I'm pulling money out of my pocket every month to cover yep. uh, that expense. And so that was very stressful for me. And then I, I you know, I wouldn't negotiate very well. I'd rather flip an apartment building. I'd rather flip a rental, any rental property. Money's coming in every month. You can cover everything. If it sells, great. If it doesn't sell, no problem. I got a great return on my investment. We were just sitting there, cash flowing. So I think, you know, it's not having cash flow and it being somewhat speculative is why I, why I don't like flipping personally. And I don't, I don't like, there's not really a business scalability um, side of it either. It's very customized and you can't, you can't create um, systems and processes and procedures as well as you can with rental property and with buying apartment right. buildings. All right. So the worst deal you ever did, and then we're going to go to the break. Yeah. Worst deal uh, looked like a good deal on the offset, right? You don't just go in looking for bad deals. Right. Um, uh, a buddy of mine called me up. He doesn't, he's not in Ohio. He, he had a 44 unit apartment building. Um, said, Hey man, you know, I just, I, I can't manage this thing. I'm on a bigger and better thing. Your, your company's right down the street. Can you help me sell this or will you buy it? And uh, I said, Hey, will you, uh, what does it look like? And he, you know, went over all this economics with me, 80% occupied, fully renovated, you know, and, and uh, you know, there's, there's just a lease up play. That's all you got to do. Um, it's like, all right. And, and so I went in there and did some due diligence. We walked all the units. I looked at the, 
rent roll. I looked at the leases. I compared the two. Everything checked out. It was 80% physically occupied. Uh, and I closed on it and quickly found out, although it was 80% physically occupied, it was not 80% economically occupied. <laughs> yeah. It was only People 25% yeah, was only 25% economically occupied. And that was a big mistake. I skipped out on, on doing the due diligence. I didn't check the collection. Yeah. I just looked at the leases and I looked at the, uh, the rent roll and that's it. Um, so it was a big mess up on my part. Not only did I not have these tenants paying rent, but now I had to outlay cash mm -hmm. in order to get them evicted. Right. And then I had to outlay cash and I had to renovate 25 more units than I thought I had to in the first place. Wow. So I thought I'd flip this thing out in six months and make $300,000. It took me a year and a half to turn over the building, um, to put all new tenants in place, put better management in place, renovate all those units. And I ended up coming to a place where it was such a time suck. It was such a, an energy suck away from me and my team that I said, hey, I can sell this thing right now. I'm, like, I'm going to have to lose money. I'll stroke a check for $40,000 just to get rid of it because I knew the opportunity cost was so much greater yep. than you know, the actual $40,000 check that I would have to write. But here's the crazy part, Ryan. Because I bought an apartment building and because it cash flows, I could have sat on this thing for two more years and it would have bumped up the rent through a couple more rental cycles and it would have paid down enough principal on the loan where I could have broke even or made a profit on it if I would have, would have been willing to sit on it for another 24 months. Sure. So that's a testament to buying cash flowing assets because over time, time heals all wounds in cash flowing assets and you can allow the property to appreciate naturally and you can allow it to pay down principal. And that's why you don't wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and then you wait. There you go. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you uh, a question that I want to know the answer to for myself, for my business dealings. How do you get the nerve, the, the nerve, we're not going to use the word on the air, how do you get the nerve to go to a bank and say, I want to pay you just 1%? How do you get the nerve to go to a seller who's asking 60000 a door and say, I'll offer you 30000 a door? How do you get the nerve to offer a guy half of what he's asking. You know, back in the old days when we used to talk about buying and selling, we always used to say, if you're not embarrassed by how low you, how little you paid, you paid too much. But that gets old, you know, as you get a little older, you, you know, you want to be nice to people, you want to be kind to people, you have a little success, you don't want to hurt people, but it takes a lot of nerve to really get a great deal because it means that the guy on the other side is not getting what they want. So when we come back, I want you to teach me where you get the nerve, where you get the guts, the gumption, to really get down in the dirt and get to that bottom number in the deals that you're doing, because that's very, very important. I learned many, many, many years ago in the produce business, which was one of the early businesses I was in, you make money when you buy. And it's so true. You don't make money by selling anything. You make all your money when you acquire the asset. And uh, if you acquire it right, then there's some spread there and you can make money getting rid of it later on. So that's question number one. And also I want you to teach us or tell us a little bit about helping a thousand people become leaders so they can help a thousand people become millionaires. That sounds like a million millionaires to me, thanks to your good graces. So we, we wanna make sure that our, our listeners understand that. We're gonna take a quick break. Folks, pick up the phone and give us a call at 216-578-1490. We're talking tonight with Tim Bratz. He's built a portfolio of over 4,000 apartment units by, by the age of 35, starting from nothing, by the way, uh, really nothing. He had a lot less money than a lot of Typical factory workers or, you know, average uh, college graduates have sitting around. 
It's really true. Um, and uh, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes on the other side of the break. 216-578-1490. I'm Brian Stark. This is Brian Stark Live on News Talk 1490 AM, WERE. This is Reverend Shopton, and on the last Keeping It Real with Reverend Al Shopton, today the trial of former officer Derek Chauvin. Chauvin's trial is continuing. Yesterday, very emotional trial. Witness where a man that was a bystander broke down and cried during his testimony, talking about he didn't have a mother and talking about how he kept talking back and forth to George Floyd as he was dying under the knee of Chauvin, telling them don't protest, ain't nothing gonna change, don't say nothing. I didn't have a mother too. Very, very emotional young man that worked in the store bought some cigarettes said he didn't think that george even knew if the 20 dollar bill was counterfeit or not because they would have taken the 20 dollars out of his money and he wished he hadn't told so keep it real daily with me al Have you thought about what you would do if you or a loved one had a health emergency? The American Heart Association wants to remind us not to hesitate to get help. Even during a pandemic, their emergency systems are ready to help. Serious symptoms like those associated with a heart attack or stroke are still considered urgent. Learn the signs and symptoms of a heart attack, stroke, or cardiac arrest. If you call 911 at the first sign, it could save a life. Visit heart.org for more information and resources to help you and your family stay safe during this time. CareAlliance Health Center has been providing health care services to the Cleveland community for more than 35 years. They are ready to serve your entire family by providing high-quality medical, dental, behavioral health services, and more. The Care Alliance offers free transportation and has a full-service pharmacy at their central neighborhood clinic. To learn more, visit carealliance.org or call 216-535-9100. That number again is 216-535-9100 or visit carealliance.org. You're listening to Brian Stark Live on Cleveland's News Talk 1490 WERE. And now, back to your host, Brian Stark. Welcome back, folks, to Brian Stark Live. It's our home stretch, the last few minutes of our show. Pick up the phone and give us a call at 216-578-1490. We're talking today with Tim Bratz. He built a 4,000-unit portfolio by the time he's 35, which he is now over $350 million worth of real estate assets. For those of you listeners who want to learn how to do the same, and I bet you, Tim, that you're going to have some students who do even more than you in even less time because you teach them how to do it. Take a quick moment and tell people about your education that's available. I know you coach some people and uh, have quite a, quite a group. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And, and listen, man, I'm here to support you, right? I like I, I'm not here for anything like that. But yeah, um, yeah we, we, you know, just because I'm active on social media, I get a lot of people who reach out, say, do you coach, do you consult? Um, how can I learn how you do what you do? So I have, I have a, a program that's turned into, you know, me doing a, a virtual event four or five times a year called Commercial Empire, the two-day boot camp on how to scale into apartments. And I'm not the guy who went to an Ivy League school. I'm not the guy who comes from family money and uh, knew how to do this. That'll, be, that'll be your school. son, by the way. <laughs> yeah, come from family so. money. Uh-huh. Uh, but I'm the guy who learned how to do this from the school of hard knocks and I learned through the residential world. And so I, I think the way, you know, the reason we've had a lot of success is because I know how to simplify it. I know how to take complex uh, ideas and thoughts and principles and how this industry works 
and simplify it to, you know, a third grade level, maybe sixth grade level. Yeah. Um, so simple math, simple um, understanding of, of processes. Uh, it's not an easy business, but it, it can be a simple business. And um, we've had a lot of success. We've had amazing testimonials, amazing results, um, amazing, you know, things that people are saying about us and uh, a lot of activity going on with people buying 100 units, 200 units, 500 units the first couple of years after attending that. So it's, uh, it's pretty inspiring to see and, and see all the results and how much success everybody's having. So if you guys are interested, yeah, go to commercialempire.com and you can learn a little bit more about that. So thank you, Brian. Oh, absolutely. Glad to, glad to have any of our listeners join you. So. You're talking to the bank and they're saying, well, okay, we'll do this deal at 4.5%. You're talking to the seller and he's saying, I got to have 58,000 units. Where do you get the nerve to say $58,000? We'll offer you $32,000. Where do you get the nerve to say to the bank, 4.5%? Are you guys cracked? We'll pay 2.5%. Where do you get the nerve to get to that bottom line price that most people would think, hey, that's not even possible. You can't, nobody can do a deal at that number, yet you do it. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I think there's a couple of things that people make up these stories in their head that they think just because I would think that way, somebody else would think that way. And that's not always the case. I'll give you an example. Remember how I told you about the 730 units that I bought in 2018? Um, that was owned by a couple of guys who are multimillionaires out of New York City, um, stock, you know, stockbrokers. Um, and so these guys are making four or five million dollars a year in their primary business. They think I have so much money, I need to go and buy real estate. And you know, real estate's easy because it's passive and it's residual. And I drive by apartment buildings every day, so everybody can do it. That's like you and me having a drink at a bar and thinking, "Hey, just because we drink at a bar doesn't hey, we, we, we can own a bar, bar right? right. Yeah. Different thing." And I think a lot of people don't realize that that um, you know uh, these these smart entrepreneurs get into buying big apartment buildings and they don't have a team. They don't have uh, a joint venture partner. They don't. They're not educated on how to do it. They didn't bring in like a a, a management company and in you know uh, uh, interview multiple management companies to make sure that they had the best one. Right. And so, just like like to them, me coming in and buying 730 units for essentially fifteen thousand dollars a door. Wow. Was was like. Hey, if I don't sell it for fifteen thousand dollars a door, I'm going to lose not only the apartment buildings, but I'm also going to lose my hedge fund business, my, my stockbroker business. And so they're like, they, they got multiple balls in the air. They're going to drop all of them if they don't dump this one. So yeah. we were going in and solving a problem for them. Uh, so I think that's one of the big misnomers that like, you know, just because they're not getting the biggest price or the highest price for the, the, the property doesn't mean that they're not winning, right? Like it's a big win for them to just walk away and wipe their hands away from the deal. Um, in order to go focus on their primary business. Because otherwise, they're losing more money by holding on to this property. So it's not about, you know, beating them up and putting them in a headlock and trying to <laughs> sign here. Right. It's, it's more about solving problems and getting in there and figuring out, all right, what's the biggest issue? Your biggest issue is this. I can help solve it by coming in here and, um, you know, and, and put a tourniquet on your hemorrhaging right now. Uh, there was another one, 400 units, great properties that I bought just south of Atlanta. Um, beautiful building and the guy inherited the property he's lifestyled up living in a beach shack down on the gulf coast surfing every single day he just doesn't care he doesn't care if he gets 11 million or 13 million dollars for his apartment building he was just like he inherited the property he's like just give me the cash i'd rather just go and live my beach lifestyle 
and not have to worry about it. And that's, we, we went in, we ended up buying that someone. Um, and uh, there's other times, you know, a lot of sellers are getting dragged through the mud with people who are not qualified right now. So I'm able to go in and puff my chest out a little bit and say, hey, I own this many of your doors. I've executed on this many deals. I will close on this deal if I tell you I'm going to close on But I need a little bit of a discount. I might not be the highest offer, but I will close and I will not drag you through the mud. And you're not going to be sitting on this property still in six, eight, 12 months from now. Right. And so I think going in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I think there's a value proposition there. Um, And and to your point before, you know, that, that whole quote of, if you're making an offer that you're you're not embarrassed by it and you're you're offering too much money, um, I did believe in that early on. Today, I'm just a I'm a doer of good deals, you know. I and and not uh, I'm not looking to get a home run on everything. I think baseball games are won by base hits, you know. I think the more base hits you have, eventually some of them will become home runs. Some of them will be in the in the park, you know, home runs or grand slams or triples or whatever. I I I just look to do base hits. Base hit after base hit. If it's a base hit and it makes sense, I'm doing the deal because I know over time, time is on our side, right? We'll pay down principal, property will appreciate, and it will cash flow in the meantime, and I'm just going to keep on doing good deals. There you go. Give me in one minute how and, and how we can all get involved, how you're going to help a thousand people become leaders so they can help a thousand people become millionaires. Yeah, I, I appreciate uh, that question. Um, you know, my, my thing right now is just teaching them how to be leaders. I think we live in a, in a society where uh, we're all told how to think and what to wear and what to drive and, and how to feel and all these things. And uh, we need more leaders. And so uh, it's, a, it's a personal determination of mine is to develop more leaders, more people who are resourceful, more people who can critically think, who can problem solve, and who can help other people and who have an abundant mindset. Um, I mean, there's plenty of buildings out there. That guy who owns who owns 500,000 units. You know how many total units that is? It's 2.4% of the total number of multifamily units in the wow. country. Very small amount. Very small amount, which means there's a lot of opportunity for all of us. It certainly is. Tim, it's been great having you. We've learned a lot. We've heard a lot. I could probably have 10 more shows with you and still not be done, but we have about 30 seconds left. So I'm just going to ask you to share a solid gold nugget, your insight, that we can only learn from you, Tim Bratz, right here on Brian Stark Live. Uh, be a leader. You know, in a world of thermos, uh, in a world of thermometers, be a thermostat. A thermostat sets the temperature. It indicates where things are going. It leads by example and um, and does the influencing. A thermometer gets influenced. It reacts to what's already going on in the marketplace. It reacts to what's going on in the room, and um, and it doesn't do any thinking. So I think there's a, there's too many thermometers out there. We need more thermostats. So Go out there, be a thermostat, be a leader. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm sure we're going to have you again. Uh, How many units next year? But I plan on growing it to about 6,000. A leader for sure. Thank you, Tim Bratz. Make it a great night. Folks, this is the music of Joe Hunter and Dallas Coffee. I've got to get out of here. I'm Brian Stark, and this has been Brian Stark Live, where every week I introduce you to movers, shakers, dealmakers, and plain old fascinating people like Tim Rotz. Whether you're a real estate investor, a landlord, a manager, a lender, a broker, a buyer, a seller, a business owner, or you want to become one, or a valued, interested listener, this program has been specially designed, custom engineered for your infotainment pleasure. Thanks to our sponsor, NuVita Funding, we're real estate financiers, arranging financing for your investment real estate deals nationwide. Great loan products for fix and flips, 30-year fixed rate loans for one to four unit rental houses, and the best 
deals around for short-term loans on multifamily and mixed-use buildings all nationwide. We finance any type of commercial real estate, so if it can be financed, we will finance it. Call me today directly at 917-791-4190 or email me, brian at starkworld.com. You can also send an email there if you have any questions about anything discussed on our show. Folks, I'll talk with you again next week at 7 on Brian Stark Live right here on 1490 AM WERE. I want to thank you all for being with us. Remind you to join us every Thursday at 7. And remember, as Tim Bratz just taught us, be a leader. Make it a great week, folks. Thank you.